Our second meditation today comes from Luke chapter 24. We'll be in verses 13 through 27. I'm going to read them and then we will pray. Starting in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, but about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, today we recognize the greatest truth, that your Son, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead thus conquering death, hell, and the grave. We are thankful that because of this truth, we may too share in this glorious resurrection. Father, would you bless the preaching of your word this morning? I pray that I would decrease and Christ increase. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. In the short time I have this morning, I would like to focus on one verse in this section. The verse I would like to focus on is verse 27 where Christ starts with Moses and the prophets, and he interprets all the scriptures concerning himself. And I believe he is speaking of the books of Moses, so really what he is getting back to is the beginning. Genesis begins with the phrase, in the beginning, God. Now, neither of these two that Jesus is speaking to to is the Apostle John. Nor are they Luke, who is the author of this particular gospel that we are in. But it is likely that Luke obtained this information from one of these two men. One commentator suggests, probably in writing, as the text lends itself in a very personal way. But it's very widely agreed upon that John wrote the gospel that holds his name. Uh, And his gospel, it is very widely agreed upon, that it came later, after the synoptics. Um, But John begins the gospel with the very same phrase that Genesis also begins, in the beginning. But in the very beginning of John's gospel, we see what is happening here. That the first time Jesus appears in scripture was not in the opening of the book of Matthew, but it was in the Old Testament when it spoke in the beginning, and the very opening of Scripture. And from this moment with these two men, 
Jesus conducted probably the greatest Bible study to ever happen in history. There's that question that I'm sure many of us have been asked before. If you could have dinner with anybody in history, whether it be past, present, whatever it might be, they could be dead, they could be alive, who would it be and why? And we usually say one of our heroes or our favorite sports player or celebrity of some sort. But these two got to go through the places in Scripture that spoke of Jesus with Jesus himself. We are all here, we all here, we would love to, I'm sure, because we're all good Christian scholars and theologians in our own rights, we would love to study under our heroes of the faith. For myself, I'm sure you know, it is Dr. R.C. Sproul. But they got the greatest lesson of Scripture from Christ himself. And when we study under these great men of the faith who came before us, or these great people, there are differences in interpretation in some places. Some would speculate of something being this, or something meaning something else, and we can come alongside those brothers and sisters who hold different opinions than we do on some of the the smaller areas. But with these two men who were with Jesus at this time as he was opening the scriptures and showing them the things concerning himself, there was no speculation of what these passages meant because the author of truth and truth himself was the one who was leading them and teaching them. He taught them that he is the seed of the woman whose heel was bruised. He is the blessing of Abraham to all the nations. The high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The man who wrestled with Jacob. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The voice from the burning bush. The Passover lamb. The prophet greater than Moses. The captain of the Lord's armies to Joshua. The ultimate kinsman redeemer mentioned in Ruth. The son of David who is a king greater. Then David, the suffering Savior in Psalm 22, the Good Shepherd in Psalm 23, the wisdom of Proverbs and the lover in the Song of Solomon, the Savior described in the prophets and the suffering, of, suffering servant of Isaiah 53, the princely Messiah of Daniel who would establish a kingdom that would never end. All of these things, the great mysteries and the types and shadows coming to their fulfillment. And we share in this moment, just as these two men did, for we have both the Old and New Testament. We have the types and shadows and the revelation of their fulfillment. We see the past and what was the future to those who wrote and read these things. From this list, I think specifically of Psalm 22, probably the most known messianic psalm, along with Psalm 53, or Isaiah 53, excuse me, Friday, we were here and we turned our attention to Christ's passion, his suffering. And from the cross, Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, lamda samachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Words that flowed from the hand of David about his own distress and his own state when he wrote them. But what a greater meaning and fulfillment that they show us. When Jesus cried this from the cross, there are different views on what was going on, and that is a topic for another time, but Psalm 22 was a known psalm to the people, especially the Jewish people. If I were to say to you this morning, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, you would respond with? That saved a wretch like me. I don't need to go through the entirety of the song and the lyrics for you to be able to look ahead and know what was coming and what the song was about. 
There was confusion at the time of the cross, for people thought he was calling to Elijah. But one thing that was happening was the fulfillment of this psalm. And most of us just focus on this phrase that Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But when we read on, we see that there is so much more to consider. Verses 27 through 31 of Psalm 22. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. One commentator writes, The experience of affliction and crisis did not make the formerly forsaken one lose any sense of confidence in God's power and authority. The Lord's reign over the nations makes sense of both his prior crisis and the call to all nations to worship before the Lord. If there was no suffering and death, there would be no resurrection. And we see this all throughout Scripture. For the Christian, there is always hope. There is always a foundation to stand upon, and that foundation is the foundation of our faith, the resurrected Christ. The world has absolutely no idea why they celebrate Easter. We go to Safeway and you see chocolate bunnies, you see painted eggs and a lot of color, and the color is very nice. But church, we celebrate because we see what has been written regarding the resurrected Christ. We see how the world, the word testifies and bears witness to him and of him. Knowing that our king reigns, our king is alive and seated in glory at the right hand of the Father, and he will return. And when he does, all will see him, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What a great blessing it is for those who believe that today, who know and confess this truth above all other truths. Christ, our Savior, is risen today. Father, we thank you for your word, how you have revealed to us the things of truth, who you are, and what you have done. We today look back to the greatest day when Christ was raised, and now we look forward to the coming of Christ again and our own resurrection to glory that we might be like Christ. We hold tightly to this promise and to the blessed hope that is given to us in Christ Jesus. And it is in his name and for his glory that we pray and celebrate these things. Amen. Let us continue worship.